All right, welcome everybody to another episode of EM Over Easy. I am joined by my other hosts, co-hosts Drew and Tanner. Guys, how are you? Doing pretty, doing pretty fantastic. Yeah, everybody's ready for this 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 fun Friday morning that nobody knows it's a Friday morning except for us because this is not going to come out on a Friday. But we are joined today by two awesome guests, uh, some fans of the some friends of the podcast. Uh, one of our senior residents when we were all wee bitty interns in second years, Chad Holmes who is currently the fellowship director for the Street Medicine Fellowship at John Peter Smith in Fort Worth, Texas. Chad, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Doing, doing great. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's uh, it's odd. Uh, we had your wife on two years ago, and it's finally yeah. nice to get the whole Holmeses, uh, the whole 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 set of the Holmeses on the show. So we appreciate you being patient with us and coming on to for today's episode. And then Hunter, we've got you. You're you're the fellow for Doctor Holmes. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited. And uh, I'm just and you're happy the, to be here. Yeah, you guys are the, the street medicine team there at JPS. So we really kind of wanted to start today's episode really kind of delving into this idea of what is street medicine. Tanner brought this to the table and said, hey, Andy, I don't, I don't kind of want to know what street medicine is. I legit want to know what street medicine is. <laughs> <laughs> so Tanner brought this episode to the table and said, hey, guys, I've been re- looking some stuff up. I saw Chad's doing the street medicine fellowship. I think it would be great for him to come on the show. It was an instant hit, one, because it's Chad and uh, we love the Holmeses. Mm. It's a great excuse to get some good people on the show, but also because when we all started doing a little bit of searching, street medicine's a really cool topic that I honestly didn't know existed until Tanner decided to bring it up as a, as a possible option for the show. And so I didn't know it existed until I saw Chad posting about it on Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah. and admittedly, I didn't know it existed, even though it was already an ongoing thing at our institution um, up until not too long ago. So that's kind of the uh, emergency medicine culture right now is most ER docs don't fully know about street med or maybe don't even know about it at all. So it's part of why we're here to get the word out. So let's start at the beginning. So we all mentioned that none of us really knew what street medicine was until recent, recent past. So what is street medicine for the listeners? Street medicine is different things depending on who you talk to. We um, went to a conference in Los Angeles a couple months ago. That's all street medicine practitioners, people that have been doing it for a long time. And the impression I got is you could uh, get all those people in a room and talk for a while and come to a lot of different conclusions about what it is. But street medicine is at its most basic about taking medicine to the people. And so for us, that means outreach teams that are going out to campsites overpasses the side of the road going into into the woods and seeing people where they are seeing people where they're living and it's really about delivering medical care in people's own context and i think one of the most important things about what we do is that it's taking it out of an environment that's uncomfortable for a lot of people and doing it in a setting that is almost more like a home visit in a lot of ways so what does this look like for, for you all at JPS? I mean, I get the sense now that it's essentially the old school home visit, except we're not going into, going into people's homes, yes, but not traditionally maybe what the, the five of us on the podcast think of as homes, right? This is more right, people right. that have essentially no resources and that really are, I'm gathering in some ways, afraid to have a lot of hesitation engaging in traditional medicine in the way it's structured in clinics and the hospital and all that. So you're taking it to them. So what does that look like as far as what's your team? What, how do you know where to go? How do you know what to provide? How do you even know what to bring with you? 
Yeah, so our team, um, we try and keep relatively small for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, patients in this type of setting are oftentimes hesitant to seek out medical care because they feel like they're going to be judged or maybe not given the same type of treatments that, you know, quote unquote, a regular person would, would get going to a clinic or a hospital. So we keep our team small. Got to give a shout out to um, the JPS director of street medicine. That's Joel Hunt. He's a PA. Um, he's incredible. He's been involved in street medicine in some capacity for geez, probably 10 plus years. And he, he's, he was the guy running the show when I started getting involved with street medicine from an emergency department standpoint. So he's, he's the ringleader. Um, and then the rest of the team is composed of uh, a community health worker, a social worker, and then we have a, a dedicated nurse. I think we have two nurses now yep. that um, are come out on different days. Um, so pretty small. It's usually not ever more than three to five people at a time. And we, we like to keep it that way. We do oftentimes have learners, occasionally medical students, uh, but most frequently we have um, family medicine residents who we, we have family medicine residency program at JPS, and they can choose early on in, in their intern year to be a part of like a dedicated street medicine track where they get more time throughout their three years um, involved in street medicine. So, uh, and then we do have an emergency medicine, street medicine elective. Um, we currently have a EM resident out with us for the next couple of weeks. So there's usually some type of, of learner, typically a resident. So in these kind of uh, outreach teams, as you guys go out and do you have like scheduled days that everyone knows about, or is it more of just like whenever it fits into other schedules or how does that work? So the, the street medicine team functions Monday through Friday. Um, someone is always going out. So it's not just, you know, once or twice a month. This is, I mean, this is a dedicated team. Um, it's a, it's a big part of JPS. This is yeah, basically normal work hours. We do outreach in kind of an AM PM session. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, ongoing thing. Very part cool. of that too, that I think is pretty neat is it's Monday through Friday. And then each day we split up Fort Worth geographically into kind of rough regions where our census of patients ranges usually anywhere between 200 to 250 patients that we've had some regular contact with. Um, we'll get new referrals to add people. Usually the way that people come off the list is they get housed, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But the neat thing about doing it geographically is our patients can have a somewhat reliable idea of when their day is during the week. And we try to do a good job of letting them know when their follow-up is going to be, when they can expect to see us. And so it adds a little bit of some regularity to the schedule. Yeah. Uh, a typical outreach day is, is pretty calculated um, before we go out for the morning or the afternoon session. Um, we meet together as a team and we essentially run the list and we have a very good idea of who we want to see on any given day. Um, so there's, there's usually like an, an objective that we're um, trying to meet, whether it's seeing a particular patient for wound care follow-up or they need a, a blood draw. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty specific in what we're trying to accomplish on any given session. Logistically, what does this look like? 
So you get out to the the region, the area that's targeted for for that part of the day. Do you have a vehicle that you're doing the visits in? Is it? I mean, I, I, I'm still. <laughs> I'm wrapping my head around what this actually looks like and and yeah. how how you're acting on the actual visit, you know, because this is obviously not people that you, you're not going into a house like a home visit. You just said right. you know people get housing is is essentially how they come off your list. So in, in my head, I'm still picturing you guys walking around with the old school medicine bag and just like going from like person to person. It's um, kind of it's kind of like that in a way. Pretty close. Um, this is <laughs> this is part of why a lot of us love street medicine. Is I mean we are literally just outside and oftentimes in the woods and seeing different parts of our city or our county that you wouldn't otherwise maybe encounter. But the team for a long time was just taking out personal vehicles. And that's oftentimes what we still do since, you know, there's usually not more than a handful of us and we can pile into one of the cars or trucks. More recently, the hospital was donated a a van. So street medicine van essentially. Uh, but the old, the old van, um, has been a bit of a problem. It's more times than not in the shop. So we've reverted like the back 18 to, van. yeah, mm-hmm. much, much like that. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking so more of like become, the Farley van down by the river, uh, yeah. old school Saturday night live. So, it, you know, whatever we have to do on that given day, uh, hopping in, hopping in someone's car and, and heading out. But yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, drive these cars into fields mm-hmm. sometimes park on the side of the freeway to get to, you know, particular folks that we need to see. Um, so yeah, it's, there's not really any limits to what, we'll how far you go or where to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we keep, um, we keep it to Tarrant County, which is a, a pretty big radius, pretty big area. And that actually even extends into a couple different cities outside of Fort Worth because, uh, JPS, just to kind of a little bit more history, JPS is the county hospital. Uh, we're the only county hospital in Tarrant. So, you know, we we feel like we have a particular need to take care of these folks when, you know, we're their safety net hospital and, and they're an important part of our uh, county hospital community. So, so Hunter, uh, just to, so what made you want to do this? Uh, I mean, you decided I did EM, I want to go do a fellowship. What made you want to do street medicine? I think it was a couple of different reasons coming up through undergrad and medical school. County population is a large part of how I got my training. I went to medical school down in Houston. So a lot of that was at Ben Taub. There's a big refugee community down in Houston, which I spent some time with. Um, and then coming to residency at JPS, it's again, very, very county. A lot of people experiencing homelessness are part of that patient population, but I think even more than just the exposure is I think probably we all have an idea of not just the person, but the physician that we want to be in our head. So we have kind of like that ideal person that we want to be. And to me, a big part of doing emergency medicine is I want to do a little bit of everything. I wanted to be that doctor that you could rely on to take care of the sickest person, be able to know how to handle any situation. And then other than what I do, the people I serve, I wanted to be able to do that for the people that need it the most. So I think in the emergency department, we all are looking for that critically ill person. We're looking for that person that really needs us the most. And I think as an extension of that, I started seeing these folks in this community as the people that need our help the most. So I like having the tools to be able to 
not just take care of just the sickest people, but also the people that have serious social issues, serious history of trauma, things that we're really not equipped to deal with well in the emergency department, but that we probably all wish that we were equipped to do. Um, and I know that a big part of working in a county setting especially is that you get a little bit frustrated with people that maybe they come in because they just need a warm bed. And I think that frustration isn't that we're thinking anything bad about that person. I think that frustration is we wish we had more tools in our toolbox to actually take care of the problems that are affecting that person. Cause we know it's, it's largely not medical a lot of the time and that's, that's what we can address. And so I think I was seeing a lot of those patients and wanting to do more for them. And this fellowship was that extension of wanting to do, to do more. So, yeah, that does sound like an amazing tool to have in your tool about um, the exposure and experience to know what to do with that patient that is maybe coming in for more of a social, social economic type of issue rather than a medical one. Um, yeah, for sure. That's and, really neat. You know, uh, a big part of our mission is again, getting the word out about street medicine, but in particular to the emergency medicine world. Um, Cause it, it was when I finally got involved um, it was always kind of strange to me that there wasn't more emergency medicine involvement. Cause if you think about it, especially in a County setting, I mean, these, these patients that we're seeing out on the streets are so many times also our patients in the emergency department. Um, so just, it made a lot of sense uh, to, to kind of bridge some of those gaps between what was being done on street medicine and how these patients were being treated in the emergency department. Um, you know, so even if, even if, uh, even if it's not, developing or creating a street medicine team where you're doing outreach, I think there's still a place for street medicine in every emergency department. Um, you know, and, and that may be just being more aware of like discharge planning or what resources your institution has, things that you may not even know about. Um, <clears throat> getting your, you know, case managers and social workers involved more often than, you know, maybe you would have thought to utilize. Um, so a, a lot of a lot of different ways that you could be involved in street medicine without actually going and doing it in the streets, you know, like we do a lot of the time. I'm imagining some relatively complex patients at times. I mean, you know, people that don't have a lot of access to healthcare or refusing to get it. So what kind of outcomes are you getting with the patients you're caring for? I mean, I, even if the outcomes don't change, this is an incredible program, but I'm imagining that you're seeing some significant improvement in health with the people that you've had in your programs. What, what, what do you have to, to kind of like, you know, rubber meets the road type stuff? Sure. Yeah. I think really the, the two biggest things that we do for people is one, I think one of the most powerful things that our street medicine service does with being able to see people Monday through Friday, be on a schedule, be a very regular service is whenever we make contact with a brand new patient. So someone that's not established, we maybe get a referral from the community. We'll see them, talk to them about their initial issues, and we'll say, hey, if it's okay with you, can we just come check in with you a week from now, two weeks from now? Are you going to be in this spot? Can we call you? And they'll say, yeah, maybe they'll be a little bit skeptical about it. But when you do show up two weeks from then and talk to them, the 
most powerful thing that happens is almost every single time they say, I, I can't believe you actually showed up. I can't believe you told me that you're going to come back and you actually did. Um, I think the most important thing that we do is we give people a feeling that they have somebody in their corner and that somebody's watching out for them. So I know, I know that's not strictly a medical thing, but having a lot of times people that have experienced a lot of trauma, they don't trust people. They're estranged from their family. They don't have resources to give that initial contact and that feeling that they have a team behind them is I think the most important thing that we do. Yeah. I mean, you, you can ask any person medical or not, um, you know, a homeless person clearly has a tough life and nobody's going to deny that, but um, seeing it from the street medicine perspective, the reality of it is just, I mean, it's crushing sometimes like it's crazy how these people have to live on a day in day out basis and what they're, you know, where they're sleeping, how, I mean, we don't think about the, the depth of, you know, the struggles that, um, that they're dealing with. Um, so it, it puts a lot of that into perspective. Um, and these people like Hunter said are oftentimes, you know, neglected or they've, they've been abused or, um, they, they feel like, nobody cares about them um, just showing up and them kind of having some sense of normalcy with schedule really goes a long way. And we use that as a, a way to get in um, and kind of change their outlook and then maybe change their outlook about themselves and their health and um, you know, little, little steps end up going a long way when there's consistency and they actually kind of start to pay attention to their, chronic medical needs and mental health and things like that. It's very, uh, you know, over easy, appropriate topic, you know, tr- building trust and communication lines with people. Yeah. Um, rapport is a huge thing. And that's, yeah. um, that, that's part of why we try and keep the team small and familiar. Um, you know, we limit the amount of like volunteers that would come out. We have a lot of people and, and it's great. There's a lot of people who are interested and, you know, they want to come out and see what we do. And, and we love that, but it's, it's sometimes we just have to say no because of the way the team functions and, you know, what, what these patients are, are used to having. And most of the time we're really not getting into the medical issues until a few visits have happened with somebody because building the rapport and building trust is so important. We all know getting something out of people in the emergency department can be hard enough, but going out on the street, trust is a huge issue. Yeah. So it takes a little while and there's, there's different ways of doing that. I think, and I, a lot of what this fellowship has been is how do you talk to people? How do you build that trust? How do you seem authentic? And you have to know what you're talking about. There's a lot of things especially drug use is a big thing on the street. You have to be careful Huge. about the way you talk about that. There's a lot of psychiatric illness on the street and you have to be able to affirm what people are feeling, their perceptions, but also be able to start to diverge and talk about how we're going to look at treatment. And you have to be very careful. And for most of our patients, addressing these issues is not a week to week or month to month thing. It takes years sometimes to 
get to the root of the issue and get somebody to trust you enough that you can really start to treat them. Yeah, I imagine it's a lot of creating small victories and being okay with it that. Because I imagine for if if you were looking to make a big impact quickly with a lot of people, this probably isn't the place to do it just because of the way that these people have been handled for years, right? Right. Yeah, and and no, none of us are going to deny that it's oftentimes very frustrating. Um, but you know, again, yeah, it's the little, it's the little, um, steps, the, the little improvements that actually go a long way. And I think that's a good place to point out too. our team specifically is seeing people that are by and large chronically homeless. And that's different definitions, depending on what you look at, but that's typically people that have been on the street for at least a year. Whereas most people experiencing homelessness in the United States, it's much more transient than that. It's people that are living on the margins, they're paycheck to paycheck. Something happens, they get hit by a couple bills, they get evicted, they're on the street. A lot of times those people don't have bad psychiatric issues. They were working formerly. It was just very tenuous. And so if they can get in a shelter, they can get a little bit of help, they can get some assistance then they're able to get, get back to their life. And that's most homelessness in the United States. Um, in Fort Worth, we have an area where our shelters are concentrated or a lot of our resources are concentrated. And that's where a large part of our homeless population is centered. We actually focus on more of the outlying areas of Fort Worth because all of those resources are concentrated there for people. So we're trying to go out to the outlying areas where people have been staying for a while and have been on the street for often years at a time. I mean, there's people that approach a decade on the street and that's, as you can imagine, a different situation than somebody that just lost their job and, and got evicted for a little while. So, and that's, that's where a big part of this trust building comes in because this is not an, new small problem for a lot of folks. It's, it's something that's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned some uh, maybe specific examples of positive health outcomes. Um, One of the big things that we do is substance use disorder, um, opiate use disorder stuff. Um, It's, you know, become a big topic of focus just in medicine in general. Um, So we oftentimes prescribe Suboxone out on the street and we have a pretty robust list of folks that are on Suboxone and, you know, we monitor that and are routinely checking on them, offering resources um, as far as, you know, rehab, MHMR, mental health stuff. Um, So we see a lot of, you know, people who have been uh, addicted to heroin in particular, um, but pills as well, but heroin is unfortunately a, a, a big one amongst our population um, and seeing people actually get off of it is pretty incredible knowing how terribly addictive and destructive heroin is. Um, So those are, those are always great positive outcomes to see. Um, Hepatitis C treatment is another one we focus on. Um, We have a program that allows patients to, uh, initiate the hep C treatment, which if you know anything about it, it is stupid expensive, like 10 to $20,000 for a course of this treatment. So it's like, how are any of our patients going to come even close to affording that, even if they did have some type of insurance, but, um, we do have a way around that, which is awesome. And we've initiated, um, treatment 
uh, on a, a bunch of folks and have had quite a few who are just completely eradicated of hep C in which, you know, years ago, no one would have ever thought that that may have been possible. And, and here we are, and it's, it's actually working. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, I really loved what you said, Hunter, about the, um, the fact that a majority of homelessness is transient in the United States, because to me, from like the ER perspective, and maybe this is just a lack of my own personal knowledge, I feel like it would be extremely overwhelming trying to, you know, fix these big chronic problems. And because the patients that I tend to see may often be the chronic homeless patient or someone that I see over and over and over when in reality, this, your, your team is able to maybe with these transient people, a little more stability or a little help here or there may be a massive benefit that helps fix them much quicker than I would even imagine could be possible. So that's, that's a really neat fact. I like that. Yeah. And I, th- I think if there's one message that people could benefit from hearing is that homelessness is not just one thing, especially when it comes to patients that you're going to see in the emergency department. Not everybody's experience with homelessness is the same. There's people that it's transient. There's some people that have been on the street for a decade. Not everybody's dealing with the psychiatric disorder. Not everybody is dealing with the substance use disorder. There's the people in the woods that you never see in the emergency department because they don't want to have anything to do with society. And so I think we start to develop an archetype of what maybe the, the quote unquote typical homeless patient is, but there's no such thing. What would you say to a listener who is hearing this recognizes, as I think we all recognize every region that we practice in has a need for this, right? There's, the, there's a homeless population. There's an underserved, horribly underserved medical population, what would be some of the things that you think a place that doesn't have street medicine established could do to start the process? And I realize this is not something you, this is not a flip you switch overnight and all of a sudden have a street medicine team, but I think we can all make changes to, to begin that process, whether it's practicing street medicine more in the emergency department or actually having a team that starts doing some outreach. Yeah, that's uh, a question that we get asked a lot. Um, we've had people from across the country reach out to us because they've seen something we posted on Twitter or, you know, word of mouth heard about our program. Um, a lot of, a lot of places are interested in setting up similar programs um, or just hearing more like so many things, it boils down a lot to money, um, institutional support, and then time. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate to be in a position where, you know, I'm compensated for my, time. Uh, and not every place I think is, is willing to do that at least right off the bat. So it may take a bit of volunteering your free time, which is, that's how it started for me. Um, and, you know, just been lucky to be in a position where it's, it's morphed into a more permanent, um, position for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to, tell someone how to set up a program because there's no easy way about it. Cause it, you know, again, it boils down to those few basic things and then having the drive to, to build the program. If you do get that support, if you have anything to add to that, Hunter. Yeah. When I talked to Joel, he's been doing this for a long time. He gets lots of questions about 
people starting programs, whether it's grassroots, volunteer, or it's institutions trying to implement a street medicine team. And I think people get hung up on the details of what bag do I take? What kind of wound care supplies do I need? What, how are we getting Narcan out there? Just the little details when really what you need to do is get out there, go to wherever the homeless community is, go to shelters, wherever it may be, and just start talking to people and ask them what they need. Because depending on your community, you're going to have different resources. People are going to be struggling with different things. And so I, what I would do is go out and start from the ground up and ask people, what do you need from us? And then build your service to suit that. Because whatever works in Fort Worth may or may not work in other cities. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that. It, it's almost like a data gathering start where you kind of take in everything first cast a wide net and then start to kind of narrow down after that. For sure. Um, it, would, I mean, it would make it a lot easier um, bringing those ideas or needs back to your institution. The, you know, the, the people who are going to ultimately be funding this or agreeing to it. So uh, much, much more helpful when you are very specific in asking what you want or need. I'm, I'm envisioning uh, like a, a several week process where you go to these places with, you know, a couple of things, a coffee, big coffee thing, and just pour some coffee for people, start chatting and try to just at least, you know, like you guys are saying, build relationships, build rapport yeah. and, and get to know who they are. Yeah. It's, it is, it's some of the best conversations I've ever had with patients are literally sitting out in the woods on a tree stump or a, you know, broken chairs or something and, and just, just chatting and just kind of hearing their story. It's, it's incredible what, what a lot of these patients have to offer and say, and um, you know, what they did in, in their previous life before becoming homeless. So yeah, I, I think people could get a lot out of it by just like Hunter said, starting from the ground up, going out and, and just talking to some of these folks and then take that info back to whoever, needs to hear it. Yeah. Well, well, Chad and Hunter, we know that we could uh, keep talking, but to kind of keep this uh, on time, we did want to thank you guys for hopping on. Uh, this is a topic that I think deserves a lot more attention than what any of us before we hopped on this call gave it. And so we are going to put a ton of links in the show notes, both to Chad and Hunter's program and to some other great organizations that help kind of answer some of the questions on how you might start your own treat medicine program. Um, and Drew and Tanner, you guys got anything else to say before we kick it off? No, this is fantastic stuff. I, I, I feel embarrassed that I didn't really even know this existed, but just talking to you guys has me pumped about, you know, what people are doing in street medicine. Yeah, and it's it just, up. it just sounds like such a, an amazing, amazing resource for a lot of people. It is cool. Not gonna, you know, humble brag a bit. It's definitely, it's cool. It is fun. And it, um, I think does a lot of good for a community that is otherwise neglected. Well, thanks everybody for hopping on for this episode of the EM Over Easy podcast. Do not forget that we are the official podcast for the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians or the ACOEP. Please visit ACOEP.org to learn more about an upcoming event or more cool things about this great organization. 